0: In May this year, uh, I was at the Australian C3 Conference, and I was quite happy to be at the conference. For the last 10 years, Danielle and I have run it. This year, we weren't running it, so it was a little different, more relaxing, uh, able to connect with God. But I had an experience uh, across a couple of days where the Holy Spirit came, and it was like Jesus himself came and began to minister to me around the area of disappointment. And I didn't realize that there was disappointment in my heart, but God began to reveal, particularly because of some delays and things that I'd been believing God for, for about a decade, how the buildup had really affected me and got into the inside of me and was affecting my my life view. And I'm going to read a little, little bit of a journal entry that I wrote about 3.30 in the morning in the middle of that conference after a, an encounter with God the night before and then during times of prayer. And just, it just goes like this. Last night, the preacher preached a message called Dream Again, and it was awesome. His first point was about the need to overcome disappointment. I realized that as he preached, I have a deep bubble of disappointment on the inside. Even as I write this, I can feel it. Kind of like grief. I feel a bit ridiculous because compared to the majority of people, I've been spared so much pain and grief. But the disappointment goes like this. And then I began to write down four key areas over a decade where, where I'd just been disappointed, but believed for things and they hadn't happened. And I'd believed for things and they hadn't happened. And the Lord, in his kindness, was ministering to me to re- bring that grief out. And I believe that today is, just as I had that experience, is going to be one of those days for numbers of people. That God is going to come to you and grief that's been built up on the inside that maybe you've pressed ahead through or ignored or suppressed or just tried to soldier on, but it's built up and it's affected your out outlook. Uh, Maybe, and there's some people, I can sense this today, where you've gone through disappointment, but you've got bogged in it. I can literally see people bogged down in disappointment. It's like in disappointment, rather than being a setback that you've bounced back from, has become despair. And you're stuck in despair. And when people talk about the goodness of God, it grates on you. When people talk about the kindness of God, it irritates you. When people talk about the miracles that God does, it, it doesn't resonate. It sort of irritates you. And today, I know that God wants to help set you free. He wants to deliver you. The Bible says, my soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. The enemy tries to trap us in grief and disappointment. And today, at the end of this message in Melbourne and here, we're going to pray. We're going to open up the altar. We're going to pray for people to be delivered from despair that's got on you and in you. Disappointment. Help me. I'm disappointed. My kids have said it at my 50th speech that I used to say, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. The truth is I've been angry and disappointed at the same time on numerous occasions. And this message, along with next week's message, help me, I'm angry, is going to help a lot of people, I know. Uh, Disappointment comes when there's a gap between our expectations and our reality. There's a gap between what we're hoping for and what actually happens. We've all all had minor disappointments. You saw the photo on the menu of the food and you ordered it and it came out and you're like, oh, we call that menu disappointments. Come on, you've been, to a, you've, you've been to an Airbnb and the photos online were magnificent. And you walked in and it said ocean views and there's this tiny little bit of ocean in the corner. And you've had, you've had Airbnb disappointment. Maybe someone you met online. and uh, No, anyway, you, you, had, you had disappointments. Uh, for me, uh, one, of my, one of the ones that I remember the most, uh, the disappointment gap is where I've gone into a movie and about 10 minutes in... I didn't realize, but it's actually a musical. (laughs) Oh, I'm like, nobody told me they're freaking singing all the way through this. You're killing me. Oh, man. Les Miz, Russell Crowe. I mean, really, you're killing me. What? That's, That's called movie disappointments. I mean, I'm into musicals, if I know. But when I didn't know, that's just not fair. My expectation gap between what I hoped for and what I experienced causes a level of disappointment and the reality is every day all of us are going to experience some kind of disappointment. You cannot be alive without disappointment uh, uh, touching across your soul in multiple different ways throughout every day and resilience is really uh, what God wants to build into you and I. Resilience is our ability to bounce back from disappointment resilience is our ability to to take a knock and it says in proverbs that a righteous person gets knocked down seven times but gets back up again and so god wants to build resilience in us he wants to help us to be good at dealing with disappointment as the 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 prophets i think it was chumbawamba said i get knocked down but i get back up again come on who knows that prophet okay we go okay that's what we're talking about now Now, disappointment can come from multiple different areas in our lives. It can be from circumstances. You went for the job, you didn't get the job. You went for the promotion, you didn't get the promotion. you, 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 you were hoping for this result in your school uh, exams or the university exams or, or to get into uni for this particular course and it didn't happen. Uh, you started a business, it didn't work. So this, these are circumstances and, and that disappointment of those things can hit you or knock you back. You, you went to buy a house and your offer got rejected. All, all sorts of different areas can happen with that. We can be disappointed with delays especially when you're a person of faith who believes in the miraculous and you're waiting for God to do things and it seems like God's taking his, his time to answer your prayer. The Bible points us to Abraham as the father of faith who waited 25 years before the fulfillment of the promise that God gave him. But the reality is if we don't know how to, disappoint, to deal with disappointment well, the Bible says this, Proverbs 13 verse 12, hope deferred, it makes the heart sick. A dream fulfills a fruit is a, is a tree of life, but if my hope is continually deferred, a, a sickness can get into my heart because of disappointment. Disappointment can come in uh, other people, how they treat us, what they've done to us, what they've said about us, uh, where a marriage has fo- fallen down or someone stabbed you in the back or someone's falsely accused you and it's not your fault but, but you're disappointed at the way people have acted and that's, that's, a real, that's a reality for many of us. The disappointment can be in ourselves. I really thought I was going to handle that better. I really thought I had capacity for that. I really thought that, that I would be able to, to press through the, that circumstance or achieve that thing that I was wanting to achieve. We can be disappointed in ourselves or we can be disappointed in God. We prayed and believed and felt like God gave us a promise and we know that something's within His capacity, but it didn't happen in our lives. And sometimes that's just a setback and we believe again, but sometimes it's what I, I was talking to the Bible college students recently. Sometimes we have a faith crash where we believe for something and then it just doesn't happen and then it's done. You prayed for someone they didn't get healed. We prayed for, for for a circumstance to turn around. It didn't turn around. And we have to work out how am i going to deal with that disappointment that really starts to touch on my faith in god and his goodness how do we deal with disappointment I want us to look today at just one story that's captured in the Old Testament. It's about David, who was an Israelite king. The Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. He, he wasn't without problem. He wasn't without mistake. But he, he knew how to touch God. And, and so he's a great example for us of how do we deal with disappointment. And the one story I want us to look at is captured in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it says this. Three days later, so David, hes at this point, he's escaped. He's not the king yet. He's got a group of, of guys, about 600 of them, who are following him with their wives and their children. And they're, they're camped in a little town uh, called Ziklag. And they're going and they're doing these raids on God's enemies. And then they come back there. And on this particular day, they come home. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at the, their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites, everybody say the flippin' Amalekites. Ah hate the Amalekites, had made made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag and they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else but hadn't killed anyone yet. We're not sure if, if David knows that. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. And David's two wives, wives—that's already tells me trouble. But anyway, David's two wives, Ahinahem from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. That's a whole different series. We're going to get to that later on. But I want us to look and then the, more things happen in the story. We find out a little bit later in verse 6 that David was greatly distressed, as you would be. He's disappointed. For the men spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of the people was grieved, and every man was grieved for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, I want to talk, this is a great example of a terrible disappointment. Uh, men who have been out doing things for God come home and find that their, their home life has been disrupted and undermined and, and things have gone horribly wrong. Their possessions, burnt, where they lived has been burnt to the ground. And the men, of course, in this moment, uh, begin to grieve as you would grieve. And everybody grieves in different ways. People, some pr- people will grieve with anger. Some people will grieve uh, and, and get stuck in, in just sadness. There's, all, there's phases of grief. But these men, they're grieving and they're disappointed. And the first thing I want to draw out of this scripture is this verse 4, where it says, They wept until they could weep no more. They wept until they could weep no more. Now, I'm not talking about you missed three green traffic lights in a row. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about genuine disappointment. Things that have been a kick in the guts, that have been a, a setback for you. How do you deal with them? And I think one of the things as Christians we're not always that great at is actually Grieving is actually being real with the emotions that we have. God has created you as an emotional person. Now, some of us are more emotional than others. That's not the time to elbow anybody nearby you, all right? Come on, Melbourne, behave yourself right now. Some of us are more emotional, but all of us are created as emotional beings. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, "...for everything there is a season." There's a time for every activity under the sun, verse 1. Verse 4, it says, there's a time to cry and a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and a time to dance or dance, if you're a Kiwi or from South Australia, to dance. For everything, there's a season, there's a time. That means that there are moments in our life where it's not time to have a stiff upper lip and just push through. It's not time to just pretend that that's not hurting me and I'm going to push on, but there's a time to to grieve, to actually stop and go, flip, that's disappointing. Gee, that hurt. And find a way to experience and get in touch with our emotions and release them. It's fascinating to me that when Jesus heard of his friend Lazarus' death and he knew that he was going to pray for him to be resurrected, but in, Ma- in John chapter 11, verse 35, which is probably, if you ever want to learn a Bible verse, here's a great place to start. It says, Jesus wept. Everybody say that after me. Jesus wept. Come on, Melbourne, say that after me. Jesus wept. Good job. You've memorized the Bible verse right there. Go yourself. He wept. Jesus expressed grief. His friend had died. People were in pain. And Jesus, before moving on and before saying, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's all good. It's all good," he wept. Why? Because there is a time to grieve. As a time, grief, grief does this. Disappointment. It means being honest about our thoughts and feelings. It means that we have to. And the Bible's got Bible chapters and books that are written. And this is all they're doing. There's a book of Lamentations. It's quite depressing but it's really a lamenting everything that's going on. And unless you can learn to lament the difficulties in our life, we'll find, like me, we get stuck with bubbles of grief on the inside that begin to weigh us down, that begin to affect our ability to see the goodness of God in our lives. So we've got to be able to sit with our pain and sit with our grief and explore it. And you're like, no, I'd rather escape from my pain. Well, that escaping from your pain is it's not really the best thing long term. Yeah, it's okay to, to have fun and to have friends. But ultimately, there's a healing process that God wants us to go through. There's a time to grieve. They wept until they could weep no more. So what does that mean? Well, it will be different for every person in this room, for every person listening online, for everybody at Melbourne learning to express our disappointment will will be different. But I found that the presence of God is really great at helping me to get my pain out. Many people come to church, and and, and I, I say this all the time, find themselves in worship, and it's a great atmosphere, but then start to weep. You wonder, I'm not a crier what's going on here? What's this hocus pocus going on in this atmosphere that's making me cry? And we want to run away from it. You go, that's the love of God. And when God's love begins to touch us in our heart, pain begins to get released. And sometimes it's in tears. Sometimes it's in a feeling of sadness, but God replaces our pain with his love. Sometimes we've got to, and I, I think this is one of the key ways we've got to share our thoughts, and share our pain. Now, that might be that you begin to write things down. I'm, I'm a massive believer in journaling. I, I just find that it's a great way for me to open up, and I write this stuff, and I'm disappointed about this, and, and I ex- genuinely express it to God. And I'll, t- I'll show you where in the Bible this is practiced a lot, but it's such a, a soul care principle to learn to express our thoughts, feelings, and disappointments to God. Uh, some people, you're more of a talker than a writer. And so there's, a, there's an atmosphere, maybe it's with a trusted friend or leader. Maybe it's in your connect group, and we'll be discussing this in connect group over the next few weeks, and you, you begin to just share about some of the things that have been, been disappointing in your life. And this is what the Bible says, this is the, the early church, is where to, where to cry, weep with those who weep. So just little little connect group training. When someone in your group shares something that's been painful for them and has caused them disappointment, it's not the time to go, not bad, but actually let me tell you a real story. It's not the time to one-up one another. It's the time to acknowledge that that's painful, and we're sorry to hear that. It's not time to go, oh, it's all good. No, no blanket Christian cliches, oh, it's all good. It's all going to work together for good. No, there's a, there is a time to weep with those who weep to weep until we can weep no more. And God allows that in our life. Maybe it's with a counselor. Uh, I spoke to a friend recently who ignored the grief of his mother passing. And he just like soldiered on because sometimes you're like, well, someone's got to keep moving. Someone's got to organize a funeral. Someone's got to save the world. Someone's got to keep going and just ignore. And plus, some of us really don't like negative emotions. So it's quite easy to push them aside and push on. Who, Who hates negative emotions? Give me a wave. Okay, so that's cool. There's quite a few of us. Melbs, give me a wave. Dan Frecker, I see your hand. I know it. I know it. And he said it was all good except for a few months later where he just had a big crash. And he was at a place that was supposed to be so much fun and he began to have a meltdown. He had to come back and he was overseas. had to come back and see a counselor and talk to the counselor. And the counselor made him realize that you just pushed through a massive disappointment in your life and didn't grieve properly and it caught up with you, and now you're going to have to slow down, and he, it was over his mother's death, he said, I saw this counselor for a number of months, and then what really broke it is he asked me to write a letter to my mum. and he and he, wrote, he said, it took me half a day to write a letter to my mum, and then I eventually got to it, I wrote it, and then I took it to the grave, and where she was buried, and read it out to her, he said, it was a short letter, but it took me two hours, I sobbed my way through it, and at the end, I burnt the letter, but he said, in that moment, something shifted. Grief broke off my life. Disappointment broke off my life. And now not everybody's story is going to be that story. But the principle of it is there is a time to weep until we can't weep anymore. To weep. Now that might mean for some people that it's a daily expression because you're living in a daily sense of disappointment. And so sometimes your prayer life when you come to spend time with God in the morning is is to give God the disappointment. God, I'm, I'm, I'm living in pain right now. I'm living with a circumstance that's, that's, that's tormenting me. And so this day, I want to bring it to you. I want to express it. This is how it makes me feel. This is what's going on in my life. And I want to express it to you. I want to exchange my disappointment for your love and for your peace. That may be your, your story, your journey for a whole season. David said it like this. I, lo- I love David. See, if, you th- if you're thinking, I can't be really, I've got to be nice to God. You know, I just got to give him thanks and praise and, and, and I, can't be, I, can't, I can't be real. Just, you just got to read David. He's awesome. Remember, the Bible says a man after, after God's own heart. Here's just one example Psalm 13. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever. I like this. He's getting in God's face. How long will you look, at, look the other way? Basically, God, you're ignoring me. So, this sounds a little bit like a four-year-old tantrum. It's okay. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Now, some of you, even as I'm saying this, you're like, yeah, come on, God, how long? But you've never expressed it. You've thought it, but it's trapped in your heart, and therefore you'll live under the pain of it unless you can find a way to weep until you can't weep anymore to get it out. How long? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Okay. It's time to get real with God. He won't fall off His throne. A friend of mine preached a message called The Swear Way to Heaven. Now, I'm not advocating that. I'm not advocating that. But you should hear Danielle sometimes, I'm telling you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I'm talking, it's time to get real with God. How long, God? Where have you been? What about me? It's like Shannon Noll. What about me? It isn't fair. Come on, somebody. All right, I stop singing that now the disappointment, it's real. Don't let it stay on the inside poisoning you. Don't let it stay on the inside affecting your vision for the future. Don't let it stay on the inside weighing you down. Don't let yourself get bogged down in the disappointment. Find a way. And even if it's every day, even if it takes up the majority of your quiet time, giving it over to God and receiving His love, it's a very healthy practice. It's a very healthy practice reflect and grieve. This is how you deal with disappointment. Reflect. We reflect. What could I have done? Could I have done something different? What can I learn out of this? God, what do you want to show me out of this? This is what it's done in my life. Reflect and grieve. The second thing is this. Is, is just don't get stuck in your disappointment. I love this one. Samuel 30 verse 6. I read it. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the men were grieved. So when you're grieved, this is what happens. You have a choice when you grieve. Now, going through blame is one of the five phases of grief. So there are five consistent phases of grief that people will go through. Blaming somebody else is the second phase, okay? So it's kind of normal. But if you get stuck in the blame phase, it's not going to help you. David gives a contrast. So all the men are going flip our wives, our children, our possessions. My home's been burnt to the ground and they they're in pain and grief and the natural thing in pain and grief is well who can i blame for this? The Amalekites would be a good start, but he's not blame they're not blaming the Amalekites. It's the enemy that's done it. But in their natural thinking, they they look and go, well you, you're the leader. You, you brought us here. You've led us into this place. Yes, we've prospered. Yes, our lives have been blessed. But you're the one. Grief, the grief of our soul will cause us to blame somebody. Whether it's God, whether it's a person who actually has caused the pain. It might be an ex, might be a business partner, might be someone who didn't pay their bills and they, they caused you, they almost took your business under or did take your business under. But someone, and you're like, you want to lock in and blame them. That's, that's a process of grief. But I want to encourage you today, don't get stuck in the process of grief. Don't be one of those people who's, who, you know, I talked to someone yesterday. I was like, the, the government is the fault of everything. I'm like, that's just not, gonna, look, they're, you know, they're not perfect. We've got to pray for them. But that's, not, that's just not going to help you if you just get stuck in the blame game. And so David contrasts what to do rather than to get stuck in the blame game. And his contrast is, this is what he did, the Bible says, he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. For some people, it's been long enough where you've been disappointed and you've been in your grief and, and you've been expressing it. But there's a time where we've got to move from the ruminations of grief. There's a time where we've got, to, we've got to stop replaying things in our mind because there's one thing to grieve and weep until we can weep no more and there's another thing to keep looking to, the, to our past, reliving what went wrong, who went wrong and blaming people and sometimes you've just got to turn around and the rear vision mirror, it's this big and the window in front of you is this big and there's a reason for that. Sometimes we've got to stop looking in our past and start to look forward. And so part of the way where you go, well, how am I going to do that? David shows us he strengthened himself in the Lord. How do you do that, pastor? How do you strengthen yourself in the Lord when everyone, when you've lost your wives, your children, your possessions, and all your friends now want to stone you? Now, we're not talking about a little party and getting high. We're talking about big rocks bouncing down on your head. Okay, that, that's what we're talking about. All your friends want to kill you. What do you do in that moment? Just Who would agree that's disappointing? What do you do? Well, sometimes you just got to strengthen yourself in God. And David shows us how to do it. I want to tell you three, three things that he, that will help get out of the pit of despair. Okay. Now we're going to pray today. We're going to believe God. God's going to move. Demonic spirits are going to break off people. Heaviness is going to shift off people. We're going to do that. But then tomorrow's Monday. And you've got a choice to make tomorrow. How are you going to deal with the despair and discouragement and disappointment of the past? So the first thing I want you to know is it's a choice. Strengthening yourself in God is a choice. Sometimes you can look at people and go, oh, That's Pastor Kathy. She's just so on fire for God and, and she probably never has any doubts, never has any discouragement. When, when, when Pastor Teresa wakes up in the morning, she's immediately positive and filled with faith. That's amazing. Look at her. Just at that, no pro- what? It's not fair. How come some people have got no problems in their life? Ba-ba. That's not how it works. People who have got a sense of faith and a spirit of faith is not because they've got nothing to overcome. In fact, often it's just because they've learned how to overcome. They've learned. And so this is the choice. David, I love this. David, again, we're turning to him. And he says, it's, he says in Psalm 43, verse 5, hey, okay, he's not crazy, but he talks to his soul. Okay. Let's just, let's just st- stop this for a moment. Okay. You are a spirit who has a soul that lives in an awesome body. And everybody said... Okay, you're a spirit who has a soul. Your heart, your mind, your will, that's your soul. Your, that's, that's your soul. So lots of people live with their soul in the lead. Okay? I don't know I've been to the beach and I've watched kids taking a big dog for a walk and I'm ro- not really sure who's walking who. It's like that, you know, dragged along behind the, the massive dog. Uh, and so it's, it's lo- I think a lot of people live their life like that and the big dog's called their emotions. I was like, oh, my emotions are feeling really bad today. So I'm just going to feel really bad all day because my emotions are leading me. You are not created to be led by your emotions. You are not created to be led by your soul. Now, remember, we've already talked about being real with our emotions, weeping till we can weep no more, getting them out. But that doesn't mean that we're going to stay in them forever. We're going to learn that there's a choice. There's a choice to wake up and David does it. So his spirit talks to his soul and he says this, uh, why my soul are you downcast? He's not crazy. He's just talking to himself. Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. I love that. Put your hope. Come on, buddy. He starts talking to himself. This this is what someone who knows how to strengthen themselves in the Lord does. Come on, John. Stop being a sad sack. Come on, lift your hands and give God some praise. He deserves some praise. Switch on praise. Switch on faith. Today, although I'm feeling flat or tired or not well or, or under it, I'm going to make a choice that I'm going to live above my emotions. And it's a choice. Do I succeed every day? Not every day, but the majority of the day is the first thing I do. The first thing I get up with most mornings is not a feeling of euphoria and excitement about the day. Usually there's some level of anxiety or worry or concern about something that happened yesterday or a pressure that's happening today, and the enemy tries to get in straight away. But I make a decision. Today's going to be a great day. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Here we go. I'm going to spend time with you and set my day up from the the get-go. Why is that? Because it's a choice. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a choice. Come on, it's a choice. Number two strengthening yourself in the Lord. It's a focus. Whoa, look at the time. What happened there? It's a focus. It's a focus on the goodness of God. It's a focus. David says this. So the psalm I read earlier where we said, where are you, God? What's going on? You know, David's how long, how long? This is how he ends the psalm. But I trust in your unfailing love. So he's had his dummy spit. He's expressed his emotions. He's got them out but he didn't stay and ruminate there. He said, I trust in what? Your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. He's remembering the goodness of God. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So this is, this is, this is the component of somebody who's going to strengthen themselves in God. It's not that your prayer's been answered and that's going to make me feel good. It's that I know that above everything that can ever happen in my life, I know God is good. I've decided in my, that's my most unshakable theology, that He's a good God, that He's a kind God, that even if bad stuff happens that I don't understand, I'm going to move. I want to to tell somebody today, sometimes you've got to move to the higher place than faith. And faith is the believing that something's going to happen. But sometimes it doesn't happen. And you have a faith crash, a faith crash, and what you have to do is move to a higher place. It's called trust. Trust says, I don't know why that didn't happen. I don't know why God didn't come through. I don't know. I had these promises and and I, I don't understand it. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna climb a little higher to the place of trust. God, you're good? And I trust you. I don't understand everything. I don't know why it's happening. But I trust you. I trust in your goodness. I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your mercy. And I'll make that as a choice to trust God. It's the higher place. It's a difficult place. When you put your focus in God, you begin to get an eternal perspective. You begin to realize that we're on this earth for just a little spattering of time, but ultimately we're going to spend eternity in the love and the goodness of God. And we have to step back and go, I don't understand that. But I trust your goodness and I'm going to spend eternity with you, God. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's a focus on the goodness of God. And the third component of strengthening yourself as God is just this. you just got to talk it up. David, one of the verses says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. I love this. I I can just hear him going, David, you're a great leader. David, God's with you. David, these guys wouldn't have, nothing would have happened yet in their life except that God's chosen you and he's with you. David, remember the bear, remember that time when you defeated the bear, when you're looking after the the sheep, and remember the time you took down that lion, and remember how God's, uh, he's been with you all of the way, remember Goliath coming crashing down, remember the presence of God you've experienced, he encouraged himself in God. He's not crazy, he's just talking to himself. Come on, some of you need to start talking to yourself a little bit. Rather than sitting in the, the, you know, sometimes you're like sitting in church going, if only I'd get a prophecy to know God's with me. I just want to tell you right now, the most powerful prophecy you're ever going to receive is from you. Where you prophesy over yourself. Where you declare God is for me. God is with me. He's not going to forsake me. Nothing's going to happen in my world unless He's with me. He promises to be with me. Every step of the way, this is how we overcome disappointment. We deal with it. we encourage ourselves in the Lord. I want us to close our eyes together. Melbourne, would you close your eyes? Those of you who are joining with us online? Very soon, we're going to open up the altar.'re going to get the worship team to come up there in Melbourne? We're going to make room for God to pull you out of despair. Let the bubble of grief wash out today. Father, I thank you for every person in your house today, every person listening to this message live or later on. I thank you. Your word says you're a very present help in time of need. Where there's disappointment in our hearts today, would you come and deliver us? Come and help us. Come and pour out on us. We don't want to be trapped. We don't want to be bogged. We don't want to live under a cloud of despair. We want to trust you and live in the goodness of God. You've got good plans for us, plans for good and not for evil. We know that you can take all things and turn them together for good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose.